Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is May 1st. Andy, how are we doing? Brendan, doing good. Good. Just on to May. It's Friday. It is Friday. Friday. It's Friday. New month. Very exciting. Yeah. Lots of exciting stuff. <laughs> you know how we talk about how the days like they all they all blend together but the one thing that started to develop is like you get a break from the homeschooling so there is like still kind of like the weekend you you look forward to the weekend because you don't have to you know chase your rugrats around and get them to do connect the dots and all this other bullshit you know which is the stressor during the week so that's how the days are getting differentiated for me saturday is my yard day Spend a lot of time doing yard work on Saturday. How much yard work is there to do? I mean, I, I understand you're going to have a couple Saturdays on the front end, but what do you got to do now? You chop and rebuild the fence. <laughs> is that still just strewing across the yard? You got just no. Just the, the fence is just it's just missing a huh. gate and a front, like a gate and a panel. I think you should Instagram live that as content. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There was way too much Instagram live content out there right now. An abundance of needless Instagram live content. But building I, I would I would open myself up to just so many armchair fence builders. <laughs> um all right. So should we do a quick plug for BixbyCoffee.com? Yeah, it, shotgun start blend. The shotgun start blend of BixbyCoffee.com. You know what I got the other day? I got to tell you, my wife is texting me right now angrily. She heard me recording about how I'm homeschooling the kids, and it's. I I just want to be clear. She's doing ninety five percent of it. I just got an all caps text. Are you kidding me? <laughs> she can hear me from the other room. Live. This is live feedback. Just to be clear, my wife is doing most of the homeschooling, but. <laughs> It's an added stressor for me too. Sounds like like uh, if I was going to say, you know, this pregnancy thing, you know, giving birth <laughs> just you know, growing a baby is just a lot of work. That is not. It's that is that is not in fact. That's not a fair analogy. It seems think. like your mic just turned off when you I know. Through. It's I okay. Know. We don't need That's... it. We're, we've got like 2 minutes and then we're kicking Allegedly. the Faldo. All right. Uh Faldo, the other Okay, so BixbyCoffee.com shotgun star blend is still out there, still available. I just got confirmation that my order shipped. Um, Mine shipped the other day. They're up and running at Bixby. Uh, we got a lot of good feedback about the blend from some kind of discerning, you know, tastemakers out there. People have high bars, seem to like it. You know, it's a, we would hopefully not lead you astray and send you crap coffee. And Bixby's always come through for us with, with product on that. And, uh, 
you know, you can can't, if you subscribe, it's what, 15% off, 17 bucks per bag. Uh, you can cancel anytime without charge, you know, just get out of it. You know, say, say we did lead you astray. Say it's not your thing. Hey, listen to this. You can cancel. Go ahead. I got tired of making pour over all the time. Yeah. Like all the time, it, you know, and yeah. my wife would then wake up after me and then ask me to make her coffee. And I was just, it, it, I just couldn't do it anymore. So the last time I was at the grocery store, I picked up one of those K cup refillable K cups, reusable. Yeah. So if you're a K cup drinker, just get the reusable K cups. K cups. You're gonna save money because you're gonna use. You can get a lot of coffee into those things. We are just ripping through coffee. I may have to up my order. Anyways, shotgun start blend. Uh, a portion, a good portion, healthy portion, not a minimal portion, a substantial portion. One would say a husky portion. (laughs) Of uh, the purchase comes to us and supports the podcast. So we appreciate that. Uh, You guys, you know, signing up for uh, Shotgun Start Blunt. All right. You uh, want to say something? Yeah, we're going to, we're going to kick the news, the little news there is to uh, Monday. Yeah, talk about some of the this KFT stuff. There's not really relegation. Capital is, you know, different changing up formats. We'll talk about that on Monday. We we have another, what is it, hour of DL3 discussion? Another hour of DL3. We do have a couple things. Hey, people are going at us about the sumo. Oranges. About the kids sending us pictures. Yeah. Yeah, you, haven't, like you haven't gotten one yet, have you? No, I need to get one. Don't we have to. a birthday wish to somebody's uh, birthday? Well, that's a birthday. It's a birthday <laughs> podcast. Not really a golf podcast. It's turned into a birthday. Happy birthday to Matt Weisenfeld, longtime listener, loyal, loyal listener, Matt Weisenfeld. And also <clears throat> to uh, Brian Gelman, I believe turns 24 today. His, his girlfriend hit us up on Instagram. Happy birthday, Brian. Uh, 24, a young buck there. Oh. Um, I, I remember when I was 24. Different times. I don't remember much of being 24. <laughs> that's, the, that's the issue. Um, all right. So happy birthday to Matt and Brian. Uh, we'll get news on Monday. Anything else you want to say? Sumo oranges. We're just bouncing around here at the beginning. Yeah. Sumo. I, 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 sumo citrus are the bomb. There's only like okay. a week left in the season. I'm gonna have to try and get on. People are people are sending us all the pictures of their freaking oranges. I have to rifle through these messages. Oh, on Instagram? Oh, everywhere. I yeah. should I Twitter. should communicate with them. They're very excited. I'm catching up on messages now that I'm on furlough. I'm trying to get have some time to get through these messages. Um, all right. So let's get to uh part two. We should plug Shane Bacon, by the way, kind enough to join us broadcaster fox sports podcaster for get a grip we should let you know that his podcast get a grip he and his partner max homo will be doing a live rewatch uh it's called regrip it's kind of a creative title uh, off of get a grip uh of the 2006 u.s open at wingfoot which we discussed what was it two weeks ago now last mm-hmm. week yeah um if you haven't watched it yet or i i've watched it like twice and i might go watch it again with shane and max Again, it's not a, it's not a particularly lengthy wall. Like it's compact enough that you can get through it and really get a sense and feel for the culture and the how the tournament went down. Uh, so that is Saturday at three p.m. 
they have a uh, WebEx. Eastern, 3 p.m. Eastern. Right. So rewatch with Max, who is an actual tour player, and Shane, who is an actual broadcaster for the U.S. Open. So that is 3 p.m. Uh, Saturday. Rewatch of the 06 Open. Also, you know, just to plug a friend, we got some pre-dawn texts from Smartin the other day bitching about how we plugged Shane's podcast before his guest appearance. And then we didn't mention Smartin's podcast which is center cut with another with a with a former pga tour player aaron oberholzer aaron oberholzer who's been on your podcast before great guest for that smartin's a great guest with us those are two great guests probably making a great podcast i've listened to the first couple um so center cut is smartin's podcast can you believe those texts it's like 5.45 Eastern. I'm getting it. Well, I, I could completely understand it. He felt no, shortchanged. I know. I know. I know. And, you know, this, he deserved he deserved the plug. You know, we, we weren't being very, you know, cur- gracious and courteous hosts. He's reading books to be a guest on Faldo. So, yeah, Center Cut is Smartin's podcast. We haven't even reimbursed him for the book yet. <laughs> Send him a pack of oranges. I should... They, I, they, you know that Sumo Citrus is only grown in California. They look expensive as hell. Oh, they're like two bucks. They're worth it though. They're worth okay. every penny. Okay. I mean, yeah. I think if they charge ten dollars, I'd eat them still. Really interesting. Uh, they're incredible. Okay, so we'll send them back. back I wouldn't eat as many as I eat now at ten dollars, yeah. but I'd eat them. <laughs> All right. Uh, just to be clear, we have no affiliation or endorsement. You, is, is your family have money in the sumo citrus trade or something like that? This is just a recommendation out of your kindness of your own heart and taste. Yeah, I, I bought up a bunch of uh, sumo citrus uh, orange fields a couple years ago. <laughs> it's a side hustle to the to the whole golf podcast uh, website thing. Just want to make sure we have no conflicts of interest here. We're being fully. Fully disclosure. All right. Uh, let's get to part two of Davis Love. We start here. We we hit on some more. I don't know. We get we're past uh we're past his dominance in the uh or do, I think we might start it with his dominance. I think it kicks off with his dominance in the nineteen the early nineties uh World Cup, him and Fred Couples. Uh okay, so we'll do that. Ninety seven Wingfoot, which is really fun PGA to kind of talk about or relive a little bit uh, his 03 run some of the more personal tragedies uh, with his brother-in-law and then some legacy stuff kind of gets you in a tight spot right with Paven versus Sutton versus Freddie versus a lot of guys not, won- not, a, not a tough spot I versus think I've, Duvall. I've made my game for- all right so that'll be towards the end versus so here- Omira. Mark <laughs> well he won two majors He's in versus mom <laughs> Mr. Giggles over there. All right, everyone, enjoy your Friday, enjoy your weekends, and here's part two with uh, Shane Bacon. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the two teamed up and the World Cup. That's not anything massive we want to talk about. Three right? straight, though. I mean, they crush people. <laughs> they won three in a row. Uh, I think, like you know, where they where Freddie would win individual and Davis would be runner up by another six. You know, nobody was even cl- in the team competition. They'd win by twenty shots. Or- so Davis, just about their two the two relationship. Davis got on the got big in the RV scene late in yeah. his career. 
Yeah. And and Fred he convinced Freddie to do it too. And I guess Freddie's TV, like this is just going back to the Freddie pod, but Freddie's Freddie noted couch potato. Freddie's TV wasn't working in his RV. So he got Davis's like pin code. And Davis said he came back late one night and Freddie was just like like on the couch watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> just like, get out of the RV. <laughs> Very different personalities on the course. Obviously, you know, Davis said, didn't have the marital troubles that Freddie had. Um, it just was different approaches to life, different approaches. To, but again, different, but different backgrounds, too. That's important to note. Such totally. different backgrounds. Totally. The son of a pro versus like son of like an aviation mechanic or what was uh, Parks and Rec? Yeah. Parks and Rec. Like, you know, Davis grew up with Bob Rutella teaching him how to how to think and and couples yeah. was getting dropped off and sneaking on golf courses picking balls off a range to hit them you know and couldn't afford to buy a glove you know uh i will say this was the moment like after it faded in 92 93 was underwhelming even though they won the world cup he said uh his problems started in 93 when he began experimenting with graphite shafts in his clubs and when the company whose irons he plays came out with a new design but uh, equipment aside, love has never been comfortable with the expectations and pressures thrust upon him. So Freddie, again, hated being like super famous. Love did not like the hype and the expectations thrown on him. So again, it, it didn't really pan out. Both Hall of Famers probably. But again, as we're looking at it, 92, we're talking about Palmer Nicholas, Tom Watson, all these great Mike Tyson, <laughs> Don, Mad- Don, Don Mattingly, <laughs> Don Mattingly, right? Don Mattingly. All right. Uh, so in, in this, I got the, there's a Golf Digest art uh, interview he did in 2008, and he says, "No, I've left some things on the table. Like in 1994, I got lazy." Oh, interesting. So 94, he goes winless. He did go winless. That's right. So his first major close calls were runner up at the 95 Masters. That's that's after having no top tens for almost a decade in majors. He's a runner up at the Masters. He goes T4 at the US Open 95. Uh so quickly kind of makes, you know, an imprint on the majors after doing nothing. Crenshaw won that 90, that Masters. 95. And then, then his first monumental kind of collapse. 96 uh US, US. Open at so just be, Oakland Hills. That T4 Shinnecock 95, you had like I think I want to say yeah, oh that was a big collapse too. Putts from inside 5 feet he missed or, or from 5 feet I think he missed 6 of them uh, at Shinnecock during Pavin's win. Uh so so 96 though, a year later after Shinnecock, Oakland Hills is like his first really bad uh you know, screw up at the majors. Yeah, bogey's 71st hole and then had a 20-footer for birdie on the 72nd hole and leaves it short down the hill and then missed that for par. So he goes bogey-bogey to finish to lose by one, right? Steve Jones. Yeah. So the you know there are going to be bogeys at the U.S. Open, Oakland Hills. Right. It's going to be a t- so I guess you can get away with it. Seventeen was a long long part three, if I'm not mistaken. Either. It's so hard. Seventeen so seven eighteen's hard, but seventeen yeah. there's just we had that we had the U.S. Amateur there. It's, yeah, it's so brutal. You yeah, know? that I mean, green. It's like a green you can't hit. Yeah, he blocked his five iron to the wrong side of a severe hog back, and uh, you know, missed. A, he had a twenty footer for par. It's a bogey, you know. You, it's a U.S. Open bogey you kind of live with, I think. Uh, the the worst one was 
18 That's where great you know he he poked his no he hit a he hit a three wood into light rough but then hit a great approach shot six iron left 20 feet to the hole and he thought there was no way it would stop or he could leave it short and he left it uh was it three feet three feet short yeah Yeah. he had he had a three-footer he said after i've had a hard time just letting myself play my game in majors i finally really did it this week so what i liked about that quote was it's brutal right i mean it's a brutal moment in your career you have a chance to really win a u.s open on a on a on a u.s open golf course you don't do it yet you find a little positivity there yeah Yeah. he found some positive he had a quote in that same after the round he talked about shinnecock too i figured out at shinnecock that i don't have to play perfect golf to win an open i just have to play my game i want a major really bad and i'll figure out a way to win one I don't know if I'll I'll get angry, but I'm disappointed, and that will make me work much harder getting ready for the next time. I just thought it was interesting. He kind of stood over that three footer too, if before you know to save par. And they talked about Peter Jacobson being in the locker room. People just wanted love to win at this point. He'd been on tour almost a decade. It's like, please, David, hit it. It's reminding me of Doug Sanders pleaded. Peter Jacobson, the 70 British Open, and Sanders missed the three-footer. Um, I, I don't know. So I played – we can play golf right now in Arizona. We've been able to play kind of mm-hmm. during this whole thing. And I go play in this little money game on Mondays. I three-putted 18 yesterday, and I'm still thinking about it now. That's and I've been worst. thinking about it multiple times. <laughs> I do not understand how these guys yeah. live – with these memories and these huge moments, you know, you think about masters and us opens and opens. I mean, I know that I, I mean, you've read quotes about, you know, how that it comes up every single day in their minds, but as you dive in and I listen to you guys do a great job with these podcasts of diving in to historical figures, they all have these stories. And I just mentally to find a place to where you actually accept that, it's just got to be so tough to get there. And I, I can only imagine it probably sits in you for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, again, as we talked about, he talks about the mental often after he goes, I was extremely, extremely nervous. He comes right out and says it. This is Shinnecock. He missed. I, I got it. He missed six putts inside five feet at Shinnecock. He goes bogey, bogey a year later. And he said, you know, he's talking about how he's scared at the 92 players. Says he's extremely, extremely nervous here kind of lays it out there about you know having a little bit of a gag reflex if you you know as every player does and i i think that's it's just important to note that there there are a lot of skills that are required to play golf at a high level and then there's even more skills required to win at the highest level and one of them to win at the highest level is as johnny says nerves you know and if you don't, if you don't have the nerves, like you're just not going to get it done at the end of it because you, you, there's just so much stuff that can go wrong when the more you think about it. All right, let's get to his one and only major. Does that sound all right? I mean, we we've set it up here. He, he so going his one and only major is the 97 PGA. After doing nothing in the majors, he's now gone and three consecutive Masters, three top tens. He had those two U.S. Open, Shinnecock and Oakland Hills. We just talked about. He has his first top ten at an Open Championship. And now he comes to the PGA at Wingfoot, um, of all places. 
I wish I had read Perfect. more about why the PGA got Wingfoot. I know. I wanted to go down that rabbit hole, but you know, my wife was probably yelling at me about something. <laughs> and poor, um, poor Eth, just one thing about the Open at Troon before his first major wins. Oh, he was yeah. in. He was in contention there. Good point. He makes a quad. Speaking. <laughs> oh of, yeah. Uh, True. Speaking of, speaking of the nicknames, he makes a quadruple bogey seven on the postage stamp on Saturday to knock himself out of contention. Back set up with sixty-seven on Sunday to finish in the top ten, but was right there again. And said after, he said, quote, I remember wondering very seriously if I have what it takes to win a major championship. That's the major before the one he wins. That's kind of that's amazing. Amazing context. You're right. I forgot about that. Still hey, got a T10 with the quad on the postage stamp. Hey, are, are we now just calling quadruple bogeys and says snowman or whatever? It's just Drew's. I'm in. I think I'm we sold. can change that. Zero yeah. percent chance I'll say anything else ever if my producer yells at me when I say it during the broadcast. You all know where it originated from. Yeah, you actually have some juice to maybe put these into the lexicon. We're we're just two idiots shouting into the void. You know, a Drew um, there on twelve. <laughs> it's tough to see him take that Drew. Um, all right, so ninety. 97- 97 PGA. He's been on a run. We've known him for a decade as a pretty amazing talent. Now we've known him for a couple of years as a real threat at the majors. He wins the 97 PGA at Wingfoot. And, you know, getting back to Shane's point earlier about how he, when he won, he often did it in super impressive fashion. This was not close. He beat Justin Leonard by five to get to, uh, he was 11 under at Wingfoot. This was, you know, maybe slightly different conditions, different setup than the the massacre or 84 or 06. Um, but was Kerry Haig still running the show then? 97 i would say probably not but that's a guess only uh, only two people under par though important note well the other yeah it wasn't like everybody was firing darts he really played but played really well yeah ernie l's on on the setup it was the perfect test of uh of the highest golf said ernie l's the u.s open champion who's 10 over and tied for 53rd my game couldn't handle it this week and i've and I, but I've got no complaints. Wingfoot elevates the PGA Championship. Yeah, and, uh, and I mean, maybe a little lost major win in terms of dominance. I mean, you shoot 66 in three rounds yeah. at Wingfoot on your way to your first major championship. We talk a lot about dominance. I mean, Tiger Pebble comes up all the time, as it should. But, Andy, you said it. I mean, four players finished under par, and he wins by five. I mean, it was a runaway on – one of the best golf courses on the planet in conditions that are set up for a major championship. So I feel like we don't mention 97 as much as maybe we should. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. There are some, I'll put it nicely, PGAs that, you know, are more elevated more by the venue than others. And that's the case with many majors, but I think especially the PGA having it at a place like Wingfoot and, and Andy's, you know, great insight all the time is like setup can really separate the guys who the true talents who are also playing well at the time from guys who can just kind of scrap it around and post a score and hang in. And here you saw like love is playing his ass off and posting 66, Justin Leonard, a preeminent talent at the time, really playing well. I think he shot a 65. I want to say on Saturday, on Saturday. So yep, 65 uh, Ernie, like guys who are great talents playing well, were able to separate significantly. That's Andy's. So Davis that week, he averaged three Oh seven off the tee 
So next yeah. best was Tiger at 298 and John Daly at 296. And you know, Daly, co-leader after round one in that PGA, opened with 66, wow. co-leader. The leaderboard in the top 10 after each round included Phil, John Daly, Zinger, Norman, Kite, Tiger, VJ, Couples, David Duvall, Maggart. It was everybody, every single person that mattered in golf was was at least in contention at this thing, and Davis blew them all out of the water. That's a Hall of Fame. Just like a Hall of Fame you, Hall. Uh, go ahead. Now, you know, McCarron finished T10, Andy. I know you like that. <laughs> McCarron closes with 71 right there at T10. Anchorman. Anchoring yet. He probably uh, wasn't then. The, uh, uh, you know, Daly was wearing a Bryson hat. I was looking through the Ar- really? Getty archives. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So it's no longer a Hogan cap. It's not a Bryson cap. Is that is, that's how this is known for our genera- generation? Bryson hat. Hey, I just just pointed it out there. JD right. did, JD okay. wore it for uh, right. for this retroactively. He was wearing All the Bryson. Days, hat. He wore it the whole week. I, I was looking through Getty and I I almost posted something about it. Who knew Daly was wearing a Bryson cap? Uh, I'd like to be a fly on the wall for that combo. If you go with this this week, that's the look. <laughs> Let's do a, a little Diaz reading for, from his game story, Sports Illustrated. The most pent-up man in golf still had a tight grip on his fragile emotions. During the best 18 holes he has ever played, a 66 that will stand as one of the greatest final rounds in a major, the sensitive love had avoided looking at his playing partner and sole challenger, Justin Leonard, because he felt bad about how much he wanted to beat a friend. Like still just like a good good dude and of course one one theme through all this is is love usually had a pretty solid family entourage, not like a play, but he would have you know his brother Caddy, his brother's wife, his wife, his kids, his mom was often at these events. There are a lot of the love family and he like couldn't even look at them during this round knowing what it would mean for him, their family, the context of his dad's death. You can't even look at Justin Leonard either. Uh, here's Davis again, uh, Diaz again. Perhaps now Davis Love the Third has been unchanged. This, this is what Andy read earlier, right? This is what yeah. you read at the intro. So Freddie, to, to double off that, the unchaining. This was a big deal, said Couples. Uh, a ca- casual man who doesn't use that phrase casually. Davis has so much talent, but he's just had to learn how to get out of his own way and let his ability take over. Now that he's got this major, I think he'll just take off. Again, what we talked about didn't really take. He off, did. He did take off like the next ten weeks, twelve weeks. And, but the problem is, love. I mean, doing this, Diaz added this, like they did it so dominantly and spectacular at Wingfoot adds weight to couples' prediction. You know, like a guy. This wasn't a guy just where he, he didn't eat. Yeah, didn't get a good bounce to win. You know. Or catch the right end of the draw, or catch it like a, a place that was soft for everybody. It was just a or dominant have neighbor. or have a guy miss a hundred yard wide fairway, you know, <laughs> hit an OB. Is uh, something I pulled. So just put in context. I, we've done. We've talked about Leonard. We talked about him years ago uh, or a year ago on this pod about how good he was, and and this this line stuck with me. And with yeah. Leonard. Woods, Ells, and Phil Mickelson becoming the most potent forces in the in the game. Love thirty three could uh could have blamed uh 
could have been blamed for fearing that his chances to win majors in the future would be diminished. So putting Leonard in there with Woods, Ells, and Mickelson. And it, it's just kind of crazy when you think about Justin Leonard, 97. He won the Open in, was it 97 he won the Open? Leonard? Yeah. Uh, that I sounds, think he won that. The, sounds, yeah, yeah. That's and he had won, he had won the play. He won the players too, and it, had he bagged this one, I mean, yeah. it's just and then and then his, the cliff of his career is just insane. Well, here's what uh, in that article it also said: Love's history of not closing the door seemed to make him vulnerable against a player as steady as Leonard. So it was thought like, oh, here's Love, the guy who never gets it done against Leonard, like a closer in the final round, coming off a of 65 that went. It's interesting. Um, so this has to open up the best like ten week stretch of his career, because he goes to NEC and he finishes T nine. Are we done on the on the PGA? We I would just say there's the rainbow thing. Yeah, you know everybody talks about that. That's not something we need to say. But he he did say, um, in retrospect, Love says he was still coming to terms with his father's death. Talking about this drought, he believes a turning point occurred with his work on a book about his relationship with his father titled every shot i take nothing will ever replace the relationship i had with my dad but i found my own reasons to love the game now um so again it was framed as if like a lot of that drought early on a lot of those close calls was kind of he frames it as trying to figure out his way still in the in the aftermath of his dad's death okay 10 week stretch andy Oh, one one other quote from that. I've had a hard time just letting myself play my game in majors, Love said on Sunday. I finally really did it this week. It kind of, just getting out of his own way. Well, even, yeah. And what what Shane started that with? Like, I seriously didn't know if I could do it at a major after Truna, he wins the next one. You know what's so wild about this era, especially of American golfers, and you start to think about the names that we think about during this era, a lot of guys that won a major and you kind of thought, all right, here we go. And never won another one. You know, you think about couples, he wins couples. masters. You're like, all right, he's going to win five. It's a little bit of, of the, of Sergio's going to win five. And he predicted, right. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, after he wins the masters, <laughs> Hey, he's going to win four more. Yeah. You know, you think about this, Justin Leonard, the same way, right? Leonard dominant wins. Here we go. This is the time this is going to happen. No more. And it's just so wild. And you wonder if there's a level, even Duvall, right? Duvall's on the plane, famously, this is all, this is it. This is all that comes with winning an open championship. And, you know, you you just wonder after you win that major and you you check that box, is there a level of complacency where you go, okay, now my life's pretty great and I never have to answer that question again? Yeah. Did you think that about Rich Beam after you won? <laughs> you know, when Tiger makes four birdies to close, maybe. When Tiger goes, I got I gotta do to win. I'll make four birdies and you still hold them off. Maybe I didn't think it was good. <laughs> Here we go, the rich beam era. All right. Beamer era. I didn't know. Lo- much uh, love for Rich Beam. That was not a that was not a cheap shot. Uh again, ninety seven. That's a it's his signature win. The thing is we don't have much to say about the T to green or shots because it was just like a clinic killed everybody he crushed it he won by five so yeah right. they talked about even when he had his bad day the day he didn't shoot 66 how he still was just a magician he was getting up and down from everywhere and that was the tantalizing thing about love was like stuff didn't have everything didn't have to go for him to be great 
to be clear though he did not use a wooden driver and the, as is common become the myth now I guess. yeah yeah the, the the round you were talking about andy i think he he hit seven greens i think that's all he hit the, that that second i think it was the second round is that when he shot 71 or whatever mm-hmm. but um he, he only hit that many he got up and down to par eight times it was it was a complete reversal of what we're used to seeing with him he's an amazing ball striker hits it forever finds a lot of greens didn't do that and was still able to put together around a 71 at wingfoot and then you know shoot 66 66 on the weekend which is still again massively underrated it's ridiculous separate separate podcast but i would love to go back to an era when like the pga and usga could share courses not the same year but like if you are a usga venue or pga venue it's kind of like that doesn't really work that way anymore. so i don't know too much money yeah i understand why not but okay um so so then his next his run after this you could tell this is like one of those things that happens in golf when you have one of these moments, it just all of a sudden you can feel and you can tell with love. He felt probably felt just unleashed and like free. So he goes T nine, six, first T 30th, third, first, second, his next, I don't know how many starts that is seven but, starts. Yeah. I, I guess I mean, I'm with you. I, I, I know exactly what you're saying for at. I totally get this because I'm on the other side where it seemed like it, the well kind of dried up after the win. I thought so. I read a lot. I, I'm looking at it, reading a lot. It's like he really kind of like, I don't know. He got to that. He, mid- he was bad at the Ryder Cup. He didn't He went, He went. didn't put up a bagel, I think, at the Ryder Cup. Not yeah, that no points. That means like the end all be all, but. I don't know. Reading Bamberger at the end of 97, he goes, this has been a peculiar, peculiar season for love uh, for months on end. He struck the ball beautifully, but couldn't get into the hunt. Um, you know, he lot, he, he was DQ'd from the players. We didn't talk about that in March for signing an incorrect scorecard after a weird rules thing. Um, he won his PGA, but then he failed to earn, earn even a half point at the Ryder cup the next month. He returned to the tour, won the Buick as Andy just talked about, and then two weeks prior, this is before the Kapalua story, he had a two-shot lead with six holes to go at the Tour Championship and ended up in third. So he kind of, Ryder Cup was underwhelming. Tour Championship wasn't great. I, I don't know. I, I guess, Andy, you're talking about results. He, he caught fire. You thought this was his best stretch. Well, yeah, because he got to number two in the world at the at the middle of the next year. Sure. So he had a bunch of, he rattled off a bunch of top tens early in the year. He had back to back wins in, in the middle of the year and he gets to number two in the world after the open championship. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kapalua, he did not win, did he? At the end of 97. I don't think so. Buick challenge was what he won. All right. Uh, should we get, to what do you guys want to do next? Harbor so so ninety-seven, interesting. Nineteen ninety-seven. We talk about the major struggles of Davis yeah. Love in terms yeah. of how he did it to start the career. Ninety-seven, the only year he ever had three top tens in majors. After that, and after ninety-nine at Augusta, which we'll get to. Yeah. Not really much. I mean, there really wasn't a whole bunch of in the hunts. You know, he'd be around, but it wasn't a ton of. Oh, now here we go. He's going for number two. You know. Yeah, I, I would say uh, real quick on Harbortown, which he won. Um, I think he won again in 98, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he won the MCI in 98. We'll Imagine talk- having that many tartan jackets in your closet. <laughs> like, how many times is your wife going, okay, like we got 
It's, what are you? They're in the corner, man. Five of these things. So that was. I mean, think about winning, winning uh, the Ch- Charles Schwab Challenge now, and coming home with a trophy, a tartan jacket, or whatever, a plaid, a plaid jacket, and a car. <laughs> was it a navigator? No, it's the uh-huh. challenger. The challenger. <laughs> So he's on this run of like runner ups and top tens at the Masters, but playing plays really well the next week at Harbor Town. And he goes, This place is a blast. It's the most fun event we have out here. Last week I didn't have much fun talking about the Masters. And even later, I think in 99, he said something about like, I do so well at the Mast at, at Harbor Town because, um, you try to get your game to peak physically and mentally for the week of the Masters. My physical game has been there at Augusta, but my mental game has always peaked here. Talking about Harbor Town. Again, getting back to those, I was extremely nervous. I was scared. Like all these quotes. Talking about mentally, he just gets out of whack at the Masters. And then the next week is when it comes together. He's still at his physically, physical peak, but his, and his mental kind of catches up. I... I can't remember reading any like really great player say that they were straight up nervous. He like says that. it in every interview. Every interview he talks about it. He says that he was I mean he talks about it when he won, when he went <laughs> we win these events. He talked about how nervous he was. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to uh Ryder Cup quickly too. The the first time he won. The, I mean, he he made the clinching putt. Yeah. 93 the last time the Ryder Cup was won in European soil. So we'll get to that in a minute, talking about how he literally almost threw up. Um, are we where are we done with 99 or 99 Memorial? So you, nope, we didn't do any of that Memorial. Okay. You what do you want to do? On or Memorial? 99, 99 <laughs> Masters? Harbor, no, we can do Masters. I mean, not, a lot not of Memorial. Ball. I didn't mean Memorial. Okay. I no, masters. that's fine. A lot of the ball. Ollie wins. God, the, the name you guys. The, the, on on your Mount Rushmore of who pronounces it correctly is Jose Maria. It just every time. It's How do you I, pronounce I it? I say Olafable. <laughs> I say Olafable too. So we had we had Clayton on last week and Monday. Yeah, I yeah. just started calling him Ollie because I didn't want to do it and embarrass <laughs> myself in front of Clayton. <laughs> and meanwhile, Clayton had his own pronunciation that I'd never heard before, <laughs> like Alazabal. He was had hard Z in there. <laughs> So I pitched it to him. I go, yeah, then you had Ollie. I didn't want to embarrass myself. This He's, the, the modern day version of that is Emiliano Grillo, 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 however yeah. you want to say it. I feel like every year it changes. That's Olafable to me, you know, who, of course, wins this 99 Masters. Again, if you look at the 99 Masters, Davis Love has a great chance headed to the back nine and just does nothing. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the perfect characterization, though, of Davis Love. I felt like this with like Ryder Cups too. It's just he never did anything. Right? What do you mean it he just would win by a lot, or oh, he would win? It seemed okay. Like. And, okay. And it was like uh, it was just like a futile, like it was just like it wasn't like a horrible performance. It just wasn't. He didn't do anything. It's like. He, <laughs> That's just the way I always like my memory of Davis Love is always that. Let's let's trip through this quickly. But ninety nine Masters, uh, Bamberger had a great write up about it. Like he was sitting on a bench with his head in his hands and on, the, on oh, uh, Magnolia Lane in front of the clubhouse, and like Drew is like five years old, 
with like a club taking divots out of like the perfectly manicured circle, I think, on Magnolia Lane. And Davis is just trying to like get over his runner up at the Masters. Like, Where's your mom? Damn it. What are you doing? Like, you're going to get like a fan from this place. Little, little Drew, like a five year old taking divots out of the uh, front of Magnolia Lane. Pretty good. Yeah, Davis, Davis birdies, uh, birdies nine on Sunday. Okay. To tie for the lead. And there was a, just a host of guys right there at that time. I mean, Norman was there. Bob Estes, Pate was there. Duvall had a chance and just the back nine was didn't birdie either part five, you know, I mean, he doesn't birdie 13, doesn't birdie 15. And we talk about his length, right? When you, when you guys dive into these old masters, I always am so interested in what the guys hit into the part fives, but and 99, I mean, Davis loves going to be hitting what? Yeah, seven, eight, nine iron. These seven irons against mid drive. Yeah, they even talked about that in in, in like ninety two when they're talking about how he and Boom Boom or Freddie are similar players. Like these guys are hitting like seven irons into thir- uh, thirteen. You f- like they are starting to this change over uh, before like the whole Tiger proofing all that stuff um, of guys hitting low irons or you know high lofted clubs into the par fives. I watched this video about his length, and one of the pros was like, I mean. He hit driver, and I watched him chunk a seven iron into the sixteenth yeah. at Sawgrass. Who chunks a seven iron into par five? You know, like who can chunk a seven iron and make like who can hit a seven iron into par five? It's like not to mention this Master Sunday ninety nine was the chip on sixteen before the Tiger chip from left of sixteen where you kind oh of yeah up the slope and it comes back down. Uh, it was like the chip, you know. Before the shot, that became much more famous for Tiger. Uh, and ch- chips in and chips in, and then Olaf Fable covers him. Olaf right. makes birdie on sixteen as well right. to keep the two shot lead. You know, you, it, it was it was tight right there. I mean, Olaf Fable birdies thirteen, Davis doesn't. Neither of them birdie fifteen, and you get the sixteen. And and you think about historically, think about if that chip mattered in terms of a Masters yeah. win, right? Yeah, he chips in. Maybe Ollie doesn't make the putt, makes a bogey or something, but. Yeah, he just didn't have much going on the back nine there. It just seemed like he was pretty nervy. He talked mostly about making a double on 15 on Saturday as like the thing that he said he t- thought about it for like months after. It was the shot on Saturday, making obviously par five where he should mm-hmm. make his made a seven. Uh, all right, anything Not else? To pile on, I don't want to pile on Greg Norman here, but I just want to <laughs> say no, Norman Eagles 13 to kind of take command of this Masters and then. Did the did the tiger did the tiger versus Demarco follow that up with with bogey 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 fourteen <laughs> bogeys fifteen to kind of knock himself out of out of out of a real like last chance really to to, to win a green jacket makes this, this this incredible three on on thirteen and then just nothing after so so, so again for Greg love is this Georgia boy right I mean this is like his this Sea Island Augusta National like. These places in Georgia that just kind of, he went to college in Carolina, but you know, that means so much to him. And from 95 to 2000, you go second, seventh, seventh at a 33rd and there, a second and a seventh. Uh, you know, Crenshaw and a lot of the ball were the two winners when he was runner up, but uh, anything else on the masters? I think the 99 one is where we can, we don't need to talk about them all, but. Andy, anything else? Nothing else. Nothing right. else on that. I think that that kind of wraps up his his majors, and for me, yeah. I mean, you don't consider the gold standard a major. We can. I'm saying let's let's move I'm on. Kidding. I'm it, kidding. Quick I'm thing. Oh one Pebble Beach. 
I don't know if you guys saw this. His win there. Oh, you hit it. Hit the. No, no, no. This uh, that's oh three oh one. He wins. He sh- he's eight under through seven in the final round. Shoots twenty eight on the front nine record, oh, and ends up shooting sixty three on just barely missed sixty two, which would have been a course record. And he and he wins over Phil and VJ. Wow. So he went on quite a slump after he won ninety eight heritage you know there's like three years he won yeah. 01 and he talked about how like after wingfoot he tried too hard again more of this mental stuff like i've tried too hard since wingfoot i haven't really you know won except for harbor town okay um let's do uh 2003 players i've got a lot of Ryder cup stuff but that can be just its own separate quick and, and, and 03 you already mentioned it at pebble he wins by one but the, the bounce heard around the world or whatever they wanted to coin it and pin it as right it was a part of the part three is 12 to right? sailed over the green, which like a very hard, very, I don't know. Hard. It's like off a cliff. Yeah. Almost <laughs> off that green. I mean, you're going to be like forever. How, what, did, what is, how did that, how did that bounce so far? Well, what, ha- how far did it bounce? 30 feet, 30 it yards. Hit, it hit 30 a photographer's feet. shin. Yeah. It yeah. bounced back onto the green. The photographer's off the green probably below the green and it hits his shin bounces back and he makes birdie. He it bounced back to four feet. He won by I mean, one. So this, I mean, this was arguably, Oh, three was arguably his best year. Yeah. He won four right. times, including the players, which, um, featured one of the greatest rounds, you know, a lot of pros had ever seen. But, hey, where, where does shin rank? In places you don't want to get hit for the golf, very ball. high. Is it top five, yeah, it's up there. Because heads one probably, yeah. right? Anything Skull. in the head region, yeah. I've got a weird phobia with collarbones. I never oh. want to get hit in the collarbone. <laughs> well, I guess we'll, we'll include collarbone going into our top five. I would say I would say a phalange would be bad, right? A toe, a finger. Sure. That would be horrible. Probably an, an instantaneous break. But shin. Yeah. Shin, no good. Phalange is an instant shatter situation. You're right. Yeah. Shin is up there. Shin is included. Oh. Belly among shin. Belly would be probably up among the least, you know, the, the most acceptable places to be. Take pop. it right in the belly. I, yeah. I was I played I played Pebble for this event years ago, and we're playing two, and our caddies will four caddy up the left side. They are well left. They're left of the bunkers. They're over kind of by the OB, not really paying a lot of attention. One of the guys we're playing with hits the low snapper, hits my <laughs> caddy in the foot, breaks oh. the foot, oh. immediate oh. break. And to credit, was he wearing our, golfing our sandals? Just right in the, it was like the ankle. It was like right on the uh, ankle bone. Well, I call it the, I call it the ankle bone, the collarbone of the ankle for you. Yeah. Yes. But it hit him right there. Just done for the day. Done. I mean, goes in. I felt horrible. Wasn't me that hit it, but a little, a, a little bit like Davis and Justin Leonard. I just felt terrible that he couldn't continue. It was, it was bad. <laughs> so he gets it off the shin, wins a pebble. That's his first win in 03. First of four. Second win of 03 is the Players' Championship, which featured a uh, final round 64. Eight under 64. Not on like a gettable day. It was cold and windy at Sawgrass. Um, just blew out Jay Haas and Patrick Harry. Again, getting to our theme of when he won, it was off, often by many strokes. He uh, he finished at 17 under, won by six. 
Freddie said it's the best round of golf I've ever seen. Um, who you know, love. Uh, he, he began the round tied with love, so love wasn't like out in front to begin. Couples called the best round he's ever seen. Haas, Furick, all these guys were like, I didn't see seven or eight out there, under out there. Um, it, it was, here's again, couples. It was only one round, but it was the best I've ever seen anybody play. Davis is somebody who should win all the time. The way he's swinging and playing right now, he's going to have a monster year. He did have a big year, but not necessarily at the majors. Yeah, nine, nine rounds that final, that final day, nine rounds in the 60s, just Two other rounds sub sixty nine. Al- Robert Allenby shot sixty five, and uh, Ooh, and shot, shot yeah shot sixty seven. But I mean, there, <laughs> it wasn't like you said; it wasn't a great scoring day. I also, as a as a younger person that had knew nothing about TV, I always thought that the image, the shot of him from the pine straw on sixteen, the yeah. camera shot of it, yeah. crane was one of the coolest crane shots I've ever seen from golf because it just it it framed that shot so perfectly, and it was the really the shot that was the highlight of that final round. I just thought it was a beautiful thing to watch. I've watched it on replay a few times over the years, just kind of on the YouTubes. So he birdied eight through twelve. <laughs> <laughs> he eagled the sixteenth that you just talked about, you know, from the pines, um, and, and shot a sixty-four. Uh, last couple of years, I wasn't one of the guys where I was. You know, they talk about now is he a you know, uh, favorite at Augusta, my, my line about the hope winner. But again, it, and after those runner ups, he'd kind of fallen off at Augusta and now he just dominates at that TPC. And then, you know, we, I know you guys bag on the players championship a lot and I know that it's, it's a, it's a good laugh. And I, and yeah. listen, I enjoy, I laugh alongside, along with you guys a lot, but to be a multiple winner of the players is rarefied air. You know, it's, you don't, there's not a lot of guys that have been able to win at Sawgrass multiple times. So to pull that, to pull this off like he did and the way he did, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, that's a career achievement that I think sometimes we don't talk enough about is winning on that part of a golf course that, that is never, doesn't really fit any type of player. Right. I mean, we've sure. seen all sorts of guys win there. And so I think, you know, besides obviously winning a major championship at Wingfoot in the PGA, I mean, being able to do that in the, in the, in the kind of the stretch, I mean, what did he do? We won it in 03, and when was his first one? 92. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty lengthy stretch of, of years in between. Similar yeah. to Freddie in that regard, because Freddie, what was Freddie, like 86 and 96? 85 and 96, I think, was when he won his two players. Mm-hmm. So. The, uh, the, the players is not a, a, you know, it's not a major, but it's not a PGA Tour event, which right. I think is, is you know, it's just... I, if I was doing a hundred point scale where a major is a hundred points, I think I'd put like the players as eighty. Okay, you and your scales, you you, you and your subjective arbitrary. Hey, system. quick trivia: you brought up Kirk Triplett. Who and brought I, up Kirk Triplett? Shane did. <laughs> oh, he did. Okay. <laughs> hey, what's Kirk Triplett's nickname for you? What do you call Kirk? Triplett? The bucket boy. It's the right? bucket boy. Okay, but do you know who was sponsoring Kirk Triplett's bucket hat in in ninety seven? This reminds me. Who? <laughs> Max Fly? <laughs> Ernst and Young. Fantastic. <laughs> Shout out to accounting. <laughs> what, 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 what? Great. I just... Why is that? Okay. I was looking through photos. I was like, oh, Kirk Triplett. We're like 90 minutes in. We're talking about Kirk Triplett's bucket hat sponsor. <laughs> um, 
All right. So Kirsten Young. Again, one of the maybe his greatest route, I don't know. Between the Wayne Foot stuff and then the 64 on Sunday, you know, the kind of talent we'd heard about realized. This was the, supposed to be a short one. I know. <laughs> yeah. All Poor right. App. Poor app. Just just I, I needed to say this because you know, it's just incredible what this guy did to win events in his in the final round. And, uh, and I mean, I'm, I'm not going to compare him to Kevin Sterling to get Andy all going, but <laughs> his final round scoring when he'd win, I mean, he shoots 62 at Greater Greensboro and 92 to win, right? Final round 64 at the 96 Buick, 66 final round at the PGA, 65 final round at the NCI Classic, Pebble 63 you mentioned. He has three 64s over the course of his last seven victories in the final rounds. I mean, he is the guy that would go out there and play this flawless final round of golf and, and occasionally sneak into the winner's circle. Right. Right. No, it's a Strillman ask as you talked about. But, but it's, it's, it's like a it's a it's a elevated uh Strillman. It's like a, you know, Strillman does it for T fifth. <laughs> Davis did it for wins. All right. So <laughs> So this player's win is part of an 03, a four win 03, also an 03. I guess like we should tie in the obvious more family tragedy. Um, right. His brother-in-law, who had been stealing from him, commits suicide. Uh, once it was the FBI discovered it, he it was, was going to have to be take. He was taking you know. nine hundred nine thousand eight hundred dollar draws out because that's like the under the allowable ten thousand dollar tax free gift. And that's what the the FBI caught on to. So, uh, you know, his wife's sister's husband. So it wasn't like, uh, his, uh, regardless, his brother-in-law became like his manager, a financial guy and was taking money and the FBI caught on to it. I think Davis wanted to keep it like, just can we just figure it out? And But because it was like a federally insured bank, it had to become an FBI thing. Uh, his brother-in-law, Jeffrey Knight, committed suicide. Uh Davis found him in the hunting cabin with the, there was incredible detail about it, like a CD on loop play. It was not like just, there's a lot of personal tragedy around Davis between his dad. We've seen a bit of that, that in these spotlights with some of these all time players, like there's personal tragedy involved in the way their career was shaped, whether for good or, or, not, never for not not for good for for motivation I should say um, what made them more, more driven uh, but again this was another thing all happening kind of in this year where he's really got it going as Freddie said this could open up a monster year um, anything else you guys want to add on that other than Th- then there was there was also rumors that his wife was going to divorce they were going to get divorced it was like yeah. a crazy thing that was gone he had that the death and these these false rumors about a divorce just to be clear he made that kind of brought that out publicly by saying this is ridiculous these like tabloid rumors that my wife was like infidelity and on drugs and stuff like he davis talked about that we're not like mm-hmm. bringing that up from some it was davis had to talk about that in the middle of his season and no he he, he he mentioned something in a, in a winner's press conference where he right. said he, he he mentioned his wife and he said we're gonna get through all this ridiculousness basically and you know we're through we're together in this so it was it was davis who kind of took the reins and said this is all complete BS and, and I don't want to hear any more of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, yes. He, I think it was after he won the international again in 03, I believe. Um, big Stableford guy. Oh, big, yeah. Big Stableford. You know, this is important to also point out that 03, he gets the 983K driver Pro V1X combo, which was like the the juicer. It's like the Reebok pumps. It's uh, like for golf. So that was like a deadly con. I, I love the 983K so much. It was like the greatest driver ever made, or not? Uh, I think it was the ninety eight three K. Yeah. Uh, just to get back, like the international O three goes. Mike Hulbert said Davis hammered everybody. I thought it was over after one round uh, when he had nineteen points. Again, he just dominated in a way where you figured, you know, this is a talent. When he's going, it's over, and, and this is all going on with, with um. You know, he, he says to his wife, she's been very, you know, he's like, we're going to get through this. It's just a, a weird year because we're talking about somebody who's been on tour now for almost 20 years. And he's having, I think this was the highest he ever finished on the money list. I believe 03. Don't quote me on that. But I think he was, yeah, he was third. He'd, he'd been third. But, uh, he was second in 92. Sorry, that year with love. But again, just a late, later career sort of rejuvenation, but with all this personal tragedy going on, these weird rumors with his wife, which weren't true as far as we know, and, and his uh, brother-in-law committing suicide. It was just kind of out, out of an odd set of circumstances. Anything else on 03? Nothing Other else. than he won Pebble. He won TPC Sawgrass. He won Harbortown again, and he won the international four four time winner. Did not win Player of the Year. You know, he kind, he of, never, the, kind of the Davis year because it was the it was yeah. the events he won a lot, right? Yeah, it was like the Davis Slam. He had a T four at uh, the Open, but that was it in terms of major. I, they talked about Olympia Fields. They thought it would be a favorite, but like the stuff with his brother in law just happened. He was sleeping in a uh rv at the end of olympia fields range i think a 1.2 million dollar rv oh, okay sorry <laughs> thank you for that context <laughs> i didn't have that there's no you missed the cut either way at olympia field uh, it, it was right. like a decked out rv anything the, else the love bus they call anything it. else on davis before we do like personal legacy quick stuff Ryder cup i mean obviously that the windham thing Creates uh, triggers a whole bunch of different odd stats about what, longevity that longevity that we talked about earlier. What? Go ahead. One important thing. He, yeah, he's a prominent player. You know, he, the tail end of his career was when the FedEx Cup came about. Never was FedEx Cup number one. No, he wasn't. He beat mm. he beat Tommy Ganey at the Disney class at Disney. I saw that it was like a big late <laughs> career thing in '08. <laughs> Think about that, Tommy Ganey with the, against the Roman numeral. Davis love Uh, Ryder cup. We can go quickly on that. I don't think we have a ton to talk about the captaincies. That's recent history, but the big thing was that the the lead to a good walk spoiled Andy 92 or was it 93 Belfry, right? His first Ryder cup, the last American win on, on European soil. It's his singles match against Constantino Roca. He's, he's one down pulls even on the 17th. And talks about how he literally can't. He thought he was going to throw up. Waiting, the most nervous he'd ever been. Not like the announcer's term. He threw up on himself. Like I was gonna, I was gonna puke. I thought I was about to throw up in the 18th fairway. The way they painted the 18th hole at the Belfry was similar to like 18th at uh, Sawgrass, from what I understand. It's it just visually reading about it, it seems like water all down the left side. Can't go too far right. 
and Watson's on the tee. Tom Watson, captain's like, we need this match. He's like, yeah, no shit, Tom. Like, it's it's basically comes down to this match. And driver's too much on 18. One iron could be enough, but he he nukes it. He rips a three wood. Then he hits an eight iron and makes a uh, two putts, hits a six footer. That's the clinching point. This is his rookie Ryder Cup year. And the, what's interesting, Bones told a story recently on a broadcast that eight iron he hit from the 18th fairway. I guess it fell off. The, it, the the club just broke in half before the first match. And Bones was just there as like a, a fan, but hanging out like he always wanted to go to the Ryder Cup. And Davis threw it to him. He's like, fix this. Go run off and fix this as soon as you can. And he, he found some epoxy or whatever and fixed the eight iron <laughs> that ended up hitting the approach shot to win the Ryder Cup two days later. Andy, anything else on that 93 Ryder Cup? You want to talk about the first match? No. I, I, so, I, so he's with Tom Kite, and he gets to go against the law of the ball and Seve to start his Ryder Cup career. Tough, tough draw. And they talked about how Love was like, he's with these U.S. teams loaded at the Belfry. And like the night before, he's like, oh, like, we have to hear about them anymore. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to hear about this. His first Ryder Cup, he's like, Let's win enough points by Saturday night that it doesn't even matter. This will be over. The Ryder Cup rookie saying this, he said like all the veterans like Ray Floyd like were like laughing at him. Like, do you understand who's on that other team? <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to be nervous. This isn't this isn't nerves. And he says that his knees were shaking, and it's the most nervous he's ever been. This is this is Friday morning. And he talks about how he's supposed to play the odd holes because he's a massive hitter, and the par fives are on the odd holes. And he realized that many had to hit the first tee shot. So they're walking from the putting green to the first tee. And like, Tom, Tom, Kite, uh, you sure you don't want to hit the first? You sure you don't want to play the odds? I think you should play the odds. And they get to the first tee again, I guess. He says, Tom, Kite, I think you should play the odds. Why don't you play the odd holes? <laughs> first tee. So it was. this was like the night after he said, like, this will be over by Saturday. It's just the telling, like more of framing of the Ryder Cup being the pressure you just never ever feel, even some cocky first timer. You know uh, something I, I I dug up that I never knew, or I guess I just completely forgot is uh, is the 03 President's Cup. You know, it's famous for this the Tiger Ernie handshake yeah. tie, yeah. and that to me is is I'd say easily number one moment of the President's Cup, right, in its history. Yeah, it's yeah, Tiger Ernie. So. That I mean, almost didn't happen. Davis Love is one up on Robert Allenby. I think it was Allenby. Allenby on the last hole said he got real nervous and and, and fanned a four iron and chunked a chip. He was one up. <laughs> and if he wins that match, then Team USA wins the President's Cup. So he fans his four iron right, set an easy chip shot, chunks the chip shot, loses the hole. That match is tied or halved. And that led to Tiger and Ernie going at it mano a mano. So wow. that almost didn't happen. They just love had a, a kind of a comfortable lead going into the last hole. Wow. But the, that's amazing. Nervous, fanned, fan. Again, you're talking about the nerves, nervous. We talked about nerves. You know what? I kept reading where the misses every time was a fan right. Oh. Every time he was under pressure and it was a bad miss, it was just the. The complete yeah. block fan to the right seemed like his miss over and over again under the pressure. When, when, he, when he did, he missed putts, putts right too. He'd miss putts right when he was nervous. 17 Oakland Hills was fanned right when the bogey had the five iron. Um, anything else on team events? I, you know, again, that's, that's a massive thing to his credit. Clinching point 93 Ryder Cup against Roko as Watson's 
chirping him on the <laughs> tee. Like this is huge. Uh, another one I thought was interesting was like he wanted he, he in the O2 with Curtis Strange, which we've talked about quite a bit. He's like the guy I want to play with the most is Davis Duvall, but the guy you should play with me with is Tiger because he's one of the few people that could kind of. Tiger gets to play his ball, this, this tour, tour accuracy for like the maxed out swing speed. And, and Love told, I think it was Holbert, who was like an assistant captain. He's like, I'd love to play with, I'd most enjoy playing with Duvall, but you should put me with Tiger because I can like handle this ball the best. And so Tiger gets, plays the first day with like, I think it was Kalkovecchia and Azinger and they get crushed. And they put him with love for Saturday, and they do pretty well. And they actually play. I think it was the the TW accuracy, which was interesting. That was another, I don't know, fascinating Ryder Cup anecdote. I thought he's like, you should put me with Tiger. I can actually hand his, handle the ball. Um, and, and but Love did have his match with Pierre Falk on that Saturday on the Sunday singles, which again was the strange thing. Curtis got. During our spotlight, he got a ton of crap, really, for backloading it. And it was Love, Phil, Tiger, all at the end in Sunday singles. I mean, it's the guys, you know, Tiger halved with Parnovic, I think. Love halved with Pierre Folk. You know, I don't know. This was Smartin's take, right? Smartin was saying that yeah. it's so ridiculous to, yeah. to pile on a captain for either way. I, yeah, if I you totally lose, yeah, if you lose, you're gonna get piled on for anything. No, like no the, the Medina, the Medina, yeah. perfect example. Davis loved the captain at Medina. Everything was like, oh, he's doing such a great job, and then the Europeans make like the crazy run, and and then he's everybody's goat and. And the big people think the big criticism there was him picking his his cronies as captain's picks, picking Stricker and Furick, and them just doing nothing. So, so you know how you know how when you think about being the president, how it sounds just like the worst job ever. Yeah, it's just everything you do. You know, you're under a microscope, at all, and a microscope that nobody else on the planet's under. I almost feel like being a Ryder Cup captain now is being the president of golf, where if the team wins, you don't really get much credit. I mean, yeah. rarely are they going, wow, what an unbelievable job by ex-captain. Yeah. But if you lose, you're constantly piled on. No matter I mean, think what. About the losing, yeah, think about losing teams. I mean, Tom Watson piled on, right? Love gets piled on. We saw it in Paris. It just seems like if you lose, it's the captain's fault. And if you win, they played great. I feel like Phil and Phil Phil, Phil got piled on more than anyone else that's in fair, Paris. That's fair. But, but you know, Zinger, Zinger was the guy that I felt like got a ton of credit for when they won that Ryder Cup because it was Zinger implementing this whole system. But other than Paul Azinger, I can't really think of a, a captain that's won and has gotten all the credit or that's lost and his name's kind of been forgotten. Yeah. That, and just I'm just thinking now about the Freddie Love dynamic the whole time where Freddie never got the Ryder Cup captaincy. Love got it twice. You know, there's the whole PGA tie-in. His dad was a club pro. The PGA was the one he won. All that a teaching pro, I should say, and the PGA was the one he won. You just I don't know, maybe not the most enviable job. Maybe Freddie wouldn't do well. Maybe Freddie would hate it. Maybe he doesn't want it. Fred, Freddie would be watching watching sports while uh, <laughs> while the uh, while he was supposed to be making picks. He, <laughs> he might forget. He might forget to do his picks. Like, <laughs> Your picks are due. He's like, I'm good. All right, we're gonna do quickly a personal legacy. You know, Bamberger talked. Bamberger apparently was really tight with them. Wrote 
book about him and his father. And here's a quote I thought was interesting. I got to know Love while helping him with his memoir of his father and consider him a friend. I've never known an athlete more aware of his emotional life. You can't see it on TV when he is shrouded in polo, but the tender chords of life where confidence and stress and worry and joy converge play all over Davis. So you talk about it as kind of as a robot, but Bamberger, who's a perceptive, obviously very perceptive writer, got to know him well. Just said he's like, and maybe this plays into those quotes about saying he's scared and nervous and talking about how he was that aware of his emotional life. Uh, and, and we continue, Bamberger added, because of his Roman numeral, his clothing, his gentle manner, his wealth, his home on a resort island, the public thinks of love as a country clubber. In truth, he's just an outdoorsman with money and time to explore the outdoors in enviable ways. That was from an article where he talked about it. He's like got deep into the turkey calling scene. He was with like some turkey calling legend and like these like turkey callers that were like $2,500 is crazy. It sounds like he's, he loves to hunt, loves to fish and uh, just, I don't know. He's got the Roman numeral and the money and, and is, but I, I just found those words about from Bamberger pretty enlightening of the, of the entire person that we're trying to portray here. So legacy hall of fame. I don't, think so. I don't think he's he's in. Is Pavin in your Hall of Fame? No. Is Sutton? No. He's tied 30th all-time for uh, PGA Tour wins uh, with uh, 21 total PGA Tour wins. Uh, you know, he's he's in the actual Hall of Fame. I know Andy's is obviously way more important <laughs> here. But, um, it, it, you know, I mean, it, I, I'll give this is the this is the compliment I can give Davis Love personally about the way I look at him is I always felt like when I was young and Davis love was in the hunt, the event felt a little bit bigger. He was a little bit like my modern day Rory. You know, when Rory is in the hunt, I feel like I enjoy the final round a little bit more. And to me, Davis love, I think it's because again, he hit it so far. He hit it so good. We knew the good parts of his game. We knew the bad parts of his game. I just always enjoyed watching davis loved when he was playing well you know and i'm not i'm not sure i always would say that about everybody that was great yeah fred freddie 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 had only 15 wins davis so, had so 21 duvall had 13 hold on hold on 13. hold on go ahead so here's my my case against it okay. <laughs> freddie's in because he was bona fide the best player in the world best american golfer Bonafide, without a doubt, hands down. Like I know where you're going. Yeah. Monty's in because he was the best European golfer for a long stretch of time, without yep. a doubt. Yep. Davis Love the Third is not in because he never, ever, ever, nobody ever would have said he's the best. You'd add Duvall, I assume, to that. Duvall Monty was the best. Yeah, Duvall was the best. He was the best. You know, he's got he's got eight more wins than Duvall career. I mean, we're talking. There's all sorts of external issues here. Health, obviously. So, with so and and Duvall and and Freddie's their careers were derailed because of of injuries. Like, and that's the thing with Freddie. Freddie had 15, but how many would he have gotten had he not had the back? And 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 Davis Love had injuries too. He had personal trauma. I think one of the questions would be what would Davis Love's career have been without the, the the his dad passing? I think that's something that is a but we will never know, but looking at it on paper like we saw 
Fred Couples was the best player in the world. And I have a, I have a something like when that peak, the best of the best. And when you look at uh, Davis Love's 10 year runs, they aren't that, they aren't nearly what some of these other guys have done. So that's my, you know, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it would be an interesting rule. And I know that there's not, there's these kind of baseball rules into getting into the World Golf Hall of Fame. Yeah. But it would be interesting if one of the, "Quote unquote rules where you had to be ranked number one in the world at some point. Now that's tough because you got Tiger ranked for a trillion months. But yeah, you know, I mean, think about that. Like that's something you have to check off the, the list. Is you have to be number one at some point in your life. And you know, if you want to, if you want to shrink the inductions, you want to make a little <laughs> yeah. bit of a smaller crew. And I mean, it's, it, it is interesting, you know, that certain guys get there and certain guys don't, and then you are comparing." eras or or how they played or events they started or maybe how many yeah. times time they took away gets real subjective on that but yeah I, an interesting one that smartin mentioned earlier was like it seems like an art of an unspoken rule is you have to have 15 career wins which is why the right. ball may not make it i, I mean the dl3 is in fact in the actual hall of fame um right i mean i don't know it, it seemed like my other thing with davis love the third is like he would have two month runs, but he didn't have the six month runs or the eight month runs that we saw out of other guys where, and that's the thing more so than anything was there was never a sustained dominance where he would get into something. And you'd be like, you know what? He's not, there's no way that he's not going to be there. You know, your, your big thing is always the multi-shot win. And he was a, he a was master at that. I, Although the, the playoff thing it, kind of interesting and, and you, you you talk and, I, and I, this is my only argument to that point is you talk of of stretches and the stretches were short when he was playing great golf <clears throat> i mean 28 years between his wins yeah you know, i mean it's pretty damn impressive wins his first in 87 his last in 2015 not many players in the history of the game were able to stay stay able enough to win that long that, that that difference in terms of, of years between i i agree the longevity he's got longevity longevity he's got he had every single skill in the game except almost the head you know yeah. but at the same time when he was at his best he was he was the best that's the other he's a he's probably the toughest one so far toughest call mm-hmm. all right shane thank you for joining us this of course thank you guys for having me we sucked up two hours of your time. Hey, you know, you know what the only bummer about doing this is, is that now I don't really get to listen to it because I don't want to hear myself talk. Yeah. So now I feel like I miss out on a shotgun star, which is <laughs> my go-to three times a week, right up in the morning. I feel like a creeper when I text you guys at like eight fifty-seven in the morning. And I've already listened to the podcast, but uh, <laughs> hey, you guys continue to set the standard. These things are awesome. Uh, I love both of you. You make my week way more enjoyable and for any golfer that doesn't listen to it right now they're just effing silly well you gave me my 90 day fiance the uh, fiance content that my wife and i wanted so you guys are in my hall of fame well you are an important person with many uh obligations so we appreciate you i think you probably didn't know you're signing up for two hours but see, see how I feels me when i get off love you guys <laughs> 